TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. What? What? What exactly do you do, right? This is a segment that we do to kind of bring forward um, things that we find, uh, whether it's a, a van with a logo on it or someone that we meet and we hear a conversation about a new organization we've never heard of here at CCO, and we're just really excited to bring this one to you tonight. You see, among the many tools that officials are using to curb the crime and violence in Minneapolis is a holistic approach by the Office of Violence Prevention. Yeah, Office of Violence Prevention. The Youth Connection Center is a prize program of the office. It serves youth ages 10 to 17 who have issues in school or with law enforcement. Now, the center is also a 24-7 safe and supervised space for youth who have been picked up for truancy, curfew, or low-level offenses in Hennepin County. They provide resources to help ensure youth don't have additional contact with law enforcement. Well, I'm excited to introduce to you Blaine Turnbell, and he is the Juvenile Justice Division Director and has worked with the YCC, or the Youth Connection Center program, since they opened it. So how did the center start? Let's find out from our guest again, Blaine Turnbell. Hey, Blaine, how are you? Good. How are you doing this evening? I am doing very well, sir. Tell us a little bit more about this center, the Youth Connection Center. Yeah, so uh, the Youth Connection Center opened in 2008. Um, Like you already said, we are a 24-7, 365 space. Um, The idea behind our program is really to um, offer a space and an opportunity for youth to not only um, be safe from being victims of crime, but also from being perpetrators of crime and getting them those additional resources that them and their families might need um, to break down barriers of, you know, why they might be involved with the justice system. Um, so in, in 2008, we opened our doors, um, and we are funded by the Joint Powers Board, which is through Hennepin County, the city of Minneapolis, as you already spoke about, and also the Minneapolis Public Schools. And all of those entities really wanted to come together um, and have, a, have this type of a program, which is one of a kind in the state um, and one of few in the nation, um, to really make sure that youth are not going into detention facilities. Uh, we are an open, non-secure facility. Uh, we serve about 1,500 youth a year. And the average stay at our center is only about an hour and a half. Um, so really the idea is to get youth in, um, find out what they're experiencing and what we can help them with, um, get them back to a safe place, whether that be their home or shelter or a relative's house or school possibly. Um, and then after that, we offer some follow-up case management services that can last another 9 to 12 months after that visit when we have case managers working uh, intensive one-on-one services with parents, um, you know, the youth themselves, <clears throat> excuse me, and also their, their siblings if they need help too, um, really focusing on 
um, you know, what, what core issues the youth might have. Um, education is obviously a big piece. Housing and employment are also large pieces of the picture when it comes to uh, working with this population of, of young people. And not only that, of course, we need these young people to have something to do more than just working, but to enjoy each other, to become, to start friendships and relationships and so much more like, you know, what used to happen 30, 40 years ago. And so I'm, I'm really excited to know uh, and hear about this. And by the way, did I, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Is it Turnbell or Turnbull? Turnbull. Yep. You got it. I apologize for getting that wrong. Turnbull. Okay. So how do you measure the success of this program? Great question. Uh, so as, as I talked about um, with our, our follow-up services, um, we, we do have a lot of outcomes that we measure. Um, that is uh, improving school success. So getting used to school more often, improving their attendance is one piece. And then also <clears throat> achieving individual goals that they've set for themselves. So when we do an intake with a, a young person and their families, we ask them, you know, what are a few goals that you'd like to set for yourself? What are some things that you can agree with your, you know, your parent or guardian to work on um, that that's going to let us know that you feel successful? Um, so a lot of that is, is around either uh, employment, school success, or, you know, sometimes it's about relationship stuff, like you just said, um, building positive relationships with peers, building positive relationships with adults. Those are all things that we measure. And then we also, um, we do provide a, a once a week group uh, during the school year and twice a week during the summer um, to really just have an outlet for some, some positive pro-social activities and, and also building uh, independent living skills. Um, those are other things that we really look for to measure success. Um, but, but at the end of the day, one of the things that, that we know is really successful is when we get to the point in time where we get ready to, to close out a case with a youth and, and they don't want to be done working with our case managers. That lets us know that, um, you know, we're good, that they want to continue working with us in some form or fashion. Uh, we have some youth advisory boards that we have. Um, those youth graduating our programs can can be a part of to stay involved within our organization. Um, we have we have five youth advisory boards uh, within the link, which is the nonprofit that runs the YCC, so that the youth can be involved in every aspect of the programming that we provide. Um, so those are all other positives. Um, we, we've had you know many people um, over the years who get involved with some of our programming when they're 10, 11 years old. Um, and then they continue to work with us, you know, into their into their uh, late teens and early 20s. And then we also have plenty of uh, former clients who become staff of ours um, and, and do work at the center or, or some of our other 22 programs that we have. So how is it uh, in keeping those students in the summertime? I'm so excited that they meet twice a week, but are they showing up uh, for each of those those sessions? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there, there's, you know, those that we, we, we need to say, hey, we got to give some other youth an opportunity because our, our case managers do carry caseloads of 15 to 20 youth at a time and and not all of them can attend every week obviously because we only have so many so many cars and, and buses and things like that but um once once we do get those youth there um they really enjoy the time that they spend with each other uh we have a garden outside of our one of our buildings that they tend to that's one thing that we kind of do um and then we also have you know we bring in external speakers from the community and, and they they present on topics that the youth want to hear about uh, we have financial literacy we have um, sexual health. Um, we have an employment and resume building services that, that come in and talk to our youth. Um, and they, they really um, dig into those type of things. And, and, of course, there's food. You know, we always uh, – food is a huge thing, too, to get youth to come. And um, they, they always are hungry, and, and they leave happy when they, when they get that. So that's another big part of what we do as well. 
You and I both know that when it comes to summer, they can lose everything they learned in the previous year if they don't stay on top of their reading and that sort of thing. What are you doing to ensure that, or are you working with the students to make sure that they continue to learn or at least hold on to what they learned in the previous year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, you know, we do uh, try and help navigate youth uh, with summer school if that's something that they're um, looking to um, stay connected to, and then other kind of um, school-based, you know, camps and things like that as well um, to continue their educational experience. And this last, you know, year has really offered us um, kind of a snapshot into um, being a bigger part of the, the our clients' um, learning experiences. You know, seeing youth learning so much at home. Um, you know, with their technology devices and helping them navigate those things, we've we've actually become a lot bigger part of um, helping them out with those things, whether that's the homework stuff or that's test taking or getting scheduled to do, you know, GED programming or things like that. Um, that's That's been a huge part of um, things in the last, you know, year, year and a half, obviously. And, and it's been really um, great to see, uh, you know, different different people really, really thriving in different work, different educational environments, you know, those that um, we're, we're at home doing a lot better than they would actually be doing in schools, too. I'm really grateful that uh, Minnesota um, spokesman recorder wrote this article because I had never heard of you before. And, of course, you know, I have so many questions about is it women and men that are teaching these young people? What are the ages of the young people, if you can give that to us again? And then, of course, um, as they move forward, um, are they – having anything to do with police officers? Are police officers starting relationships with these young people who are trying to do better and be better? Yeah. So as far as the, the, um, the staff members that are teaching these youth, um, we, we do bring in youth into every interview that we do for, for the positions that we hire. Um, and so we know that, that our youth um, can have a, a genuine voice in that. And, and, you know, they can hear or see things in people that we might not as adults. Um, and they say, yeah, you know, that's somebody that I feel like I could really connect with. So we have, we have staff, um, you know, a- across the board, all, all different um, educational backgrounds, all different ages, um, and and gender identities, and um, race and ethnicity. Um, and and it, we really believe in you know trying to match um, the demographics of our youth that we're seeing with our staff um, because that that's very important. Our youth have told us that, and 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 that's really allows us to build some of these these great long-lasting relationships. Wow. How are you funded? So we are funded by the Joint Powers Board, which is comprised of Hennepin County, the City of Minneapolis, and the Minneapolis Public Schools. Um, And and they created the Joint Powers Board actually um, a long time ago in the the 1990s, um, and they said, we want to provide a curfew and truancy center. And so there was a curfew and truancy center in the 90s, um, and then they realized, you know what, the, this is only a snapshot of the day. Um, so there was there was youth there during during the school day, and then they you know have to either go home or go someplace else. And then there was youth there during curfew hours, and 4 a.m. would roll around and the, sh- and the center would shut down. Um, and so after a while, um, they came back together and said, hey, you know that it's it's going well, but we really need to have a space where these youth um, can can be there 24/7. And then we also need to offer these wraparound services for the youth. And so the, the JDAI, which is the Juvenile Detention Alternatives Initiative, became a huge nationwide push kind of in the 90s and in the 2000s um, and focusing on, hey, how can we help our youth by keeping them involved in community-based programming and not putting them into detention? Because as we, we know through research, that detention does not help um, our youth that are in the communities with us 
And so um, they decided to to fund this program so that uh, the youth needs were getting met after they left. You know, the youth gets picked up for curfew. There's usually something going on, and they wanted to get to that root cause and really dig down on those issues. And, and all three of those entities have been extremely supportive of, of this program. Um, and we've, you know, had, had a lot of contact with um, people from other parts of the country coming here to, to really model our program. Wow, this is really exciting. Of course, this is what young people need is a whole lot of things to do during the school year as well as the summer because we know the summer months, how many children between the ages of 10 and 17 that you help are enticed or seduced to do to get involved in something they shouldn't. So um, I don't know if they have people that reach out and check on them during the weeks that they are not meeting with you uh, during the summer. Um, is that a possibility or are you looking for volunteers? Let us know. Yeah, yeah. So um, you can go to our website, uh, thelinkmn.org, um, and you can learn a little bit more about some of the other programs that we provide. Um, we do have volunteers that um, do a lot of different things. Like I said, if you have an area of expertise and you want to come in and talk to a group about, you know, uh, if you're an artist and you want to talk to that, we've had uh, people come in that are yoga instructors and do yoga with our youth. Um, a lot of different people have been uh, shared their, their talents in those ways. And then we also have uh, groups of people that come in and, and make um, some some ready to eat meals, some some frozen meals to have on hand for our youth and families. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different ways to get involved, but I would definitely refer uh, people to our website um, to kind of check that out and and see where they could step in and, and be of help uh, to these youth and their families. And this is only for children that are in trouble, that have gotten in trouble, and now you're trying to pull them out of that trouble and help them see a better day, right? Yes, that is correct. We we do not want um, youth to be in contact with, um, you know, having to be in contact with law enforcement when they don't want to be. So, yes, as, as you asked about earlier, you know, we, we do um, encourage youth to build positive relationships with law enforcement in the community, in their communities that they live in. We have a lot of officers who come into our center and have great re uh, relationships with the youth that they're serving. Um, but we, our goal is to keep youth out of the juvenile justice system not go down that path any further so that they're, they're not incarcerated as youth or as adults um, and making sure that they're getting their needs met essentially. And that, that's, that's the core function of what we're doing. Final question, Blaine Turnbull. Turnbull. Um, you are the Juvenile Justice Division Director. How long have you been that? So I've been the Juvenile Justice Division Director now for two years, um, but I, I was, I've been with the YCC since 2010. Um, 2010. So I've, I've been there about 11 years. Has it changed your life? It has. It has. Um, it's it's changed changed my my view of the world and 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 uh, really made made me appreciative of of the the young people that we have in our communities and the people that are willing to serve these youth in our communities. Um, it's it's really it's really amazing to see some of the relationships and the the skill building that that our um, our staff and our youth um, have together. We just a, a quick story. We um, just had a youth who reached out to us and um, he was he was having his graduation party this last weekend actually and said hey you know I've, I've been working with you guys for a long time I've had contact with a lot of your staff um, built a lot of good relationships he said I, I'd be honored if any one of you were able to show up to my graduation party um, and I think we had three or four staff that were able to get over there and he was just so happy just grinning year to year um, knowing that our staff were there to support him you know through everything so um, those those are the type of uh, things that that really um, you know Make your, make your heart warm and, and, and make you feel good about the work you're doing. 
And he did it. That's amazing. I do hope that you will have more and more black men working in this organization. Um, and and to, for people to learn more, the Youth Connection Center, um, where do they go to get that information? Yep. So you can go to the link mn.org. And then if you click on programs uh, under Juvenile Justice Division, the Youth Connection Center is in there. Um, and, and like I, I didn't get to touch on it, but we are a uh, community-based nonprofit uh, that was started by Jim Marshall and Oscar Reed. Uh, two former Minnesota Vikings started in North Minneapolis. Uh, we're celebrating our 30-year anniversary this year for the link as a whole. Um, and, and those guys are still instrumental in the work that we do, and they're two amazing um, community leaders. And, and we you know, are always willing to get uh, more and more people in our community involved with these youth lives. Wow, I'm so glad that we had you on tonight. Thank you, Blaine Turnbull, for joining us and giving us all of this information. Hopefully it will inspire parents to push their, or at least encourage their children to be a part of this as well. Thank you again, sir. Thank you. We'll take a break. We'll be back in a moment. Our next guest is Matt Logalin, And of course, he wrote a book about losing his wife and he and his daughter and how they made it. And now there is a brand new movie called Fatherhood. A lot to talk about. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. It is now 835 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I am your, your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do is sit here and gab with you and be with you on a Sunday night. As I mentioned a moment ago, there is this real life tragedy that has turned into a wonderful story of love. And now it's a movie on demand. That's right. You can access it on demand. Um, it is called Fatherhood, the movie starring Kevin Hart. And the man who wrote the book and is uh, a huge part of seeing this movie to fruition is Matt Logalin. And he is joining us now. Matt, welcome to WCCO. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, you are a Minnesota native, and I'm so excited to have you on on Father's Day. So I do want to say happy Father's Day to you, and I want you to tell us this amazing story. Yeah, thank you very much. So, yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Minnesota. I live out in Los Angeles now, but, um, you know, up until uh, I finished college, I was out there. And when I was in high school, I met this beautiful woman who I didn't think would ever 
even give me a chance and, and would, would never talk to me. But she, it turns out she did. And it turns out we had a really amazing relationship that went on for 13 years. And uh, we got married. We decided we were going to have a baby. We bought a house out in L.A. We did all the great stuff that families are excited to do. And, uh, and the day after our, our daughter was born, on March 24th in 2008, uh, my, my wife actually had a blood clot that went from her leg up to her lungs, and, and, and she died uh, very quickly. My goodness, we hear these tragic stories, but to have the wherewithal to write the book first and then to to see it to fruition as a movie, that must have been really challenging, not just for you, but even for your ta- your daughter. Tell us about that journey. Yeah, definitely. I, I had been writing a lot about my experiences, mainly just to keep my friends and family up to date and as a kind of a, a journal for my daughter. I wanted to make sure that she had some uh, understanding what I'd been going through after her mom died and what I was going through raising her by myself uh, early on. And, uh, and and that's what I was doing. And then uh, over some time, a lot of people started reading what I was writing and uh, got approached to write a book, which I did in 2011. So that was about 10 years ago. My book came out in paperback and uh, or, sorry, in hardcover. And then the year after that in, in paperback. And now what's happened is uh, 10 years after the book came out, 13 years after my daughter was born and my wife died, uh, my book has been optioned, and it was picked up by Sony, and now they've made this movie that ended up on Netflix. Um, the the, the, the COVID-19 uh, issue really kind of put a damper on the movie, and it kind of put everything on hold, but now we've gotten this great opportunity to, to put it out on Netflix so people can watch it and, quite frankly, cry by themselves in their homes rather than in a, in a public theater uh, while watching this movie. And um, I think one of the best things that came out of it also is that both uh, Barack and Michelle Obama through their production company Higher Ground got involved in the production of this movie and they're presenting it through Netflix and so that is probably one of the highest honors of my life that that they're involved and that they're uh, out there promoting it which is just incredible. Wow former President Obama as well as the First Lady Michelle Obama that is remarkable my goodness your story just keeps growing and keeps getting bigger and bigger tell me how did your daughter feel about how this all unfolded You know it's so funny it's uh, her real life is so like removed from what's happening with this movie we we live a pretty interesting and strange existence in Los Angeles but it, it's not a big part of her everyday life she was going to school she just left for camp today and she's kind of reluctant to talk about it. She doesn't want anybody in her class to think she's bragging. She doesn't want anybody to think that, you know, she's being ostentatious about this absolutely incredible thing that, you know, quite frankly, she should be allowed to brag about. I mean, this doesn't happen to kids or to anybody very often. So I've been encouraging her to tell her friends and to talk about it. Um, but she's reluctant to do so. And I, I don't know necessarily for sure if it's just because she doesn't want to brag about it or if it's you know this is a hard thing to talk about so um i will say that she's been on a couple of different uh, local news stations uh Kara Levin had us on and uh, she did a great interview there and she's done some local stuff and so um you know she's she's really verbose about this stuff and she does like to talk about it a little bit but also she's kind of shy so it's uh, it's an interesting dichotomy there have you watched it with your daughter and if so how many times have you guys seen the movie I did watch it with my daughter. I got to watch it with her uh, a little bit early. I'm also remarried, so I got to watch it with my new wife and and Maddie. And um, this was about a month ago, and we got to sit down and we got to cry together and laugh together. And I think that was such a nice and important experience for us to be able to experience it before it was out there in the public and before we had to also process everybody else's feelings around it. We got to sit in our own kind of both happiness and sadness for, for a good month before everybody else got to see it. 
Yeah, processing everybody else's feelings is so difficult. I have a, a family member who presented her um, very difficult story in a play, and the pain of hearing that story and watching it, you know, time after time was so difficult. And, of course, you know, making this movie for you, I have to ask, has it been painful as well as joyful and fulfilling? It's all of the above. It's painful to kind of relive, relive the moments that, that really hurt the most. Uh, seeing Kevin Hart play me, on screen, seeing Alfred Woodard play my mother-in-law, you know, seeing all these people popping up and doing just the most incredible job of, of you know, recreating the events that, that my life, you know, that I witnessed in my life was, was amazing. Um, it was hard to watch, but like I said, everybody here that was involved in this from the outset has told us that all they wanted to do was, was you know, honor our family, honor my late wife, honor everybody that was involved and, and who knew us. And they wanted to make sure that we had the most positive experience. So I had, uh, had the director who was calling me constantly asking me questions about, you know, how to make things uh, better and how to make the, uh, the, you know, some of the scenes more accurate to my experience. The screenwriter who wrote the screenplay was also incredibly involved with coming to my house and showing up at little events that I was doing. And, and so when you have this number of people who care so greatly about telling a story and telling it in a way that's uh, responsible, you know, it's not exploitation in any sort of way. It, it really gives you a feeling that, that, you know, they're doing their best to, to show you that they care and that they're doing things that are going to serve your family. And, um, and I think that's such an important thing because these movies sometimes happen and, and people feel exploited at the end. And I can tell you that's the exact opposite of how I feel about my experience. So did your wife's family support you in doing the book and the new movie? Oh my gosh, they are so incredibly supportive. Everybody in my life, all my friends, all my family have been supportive. But, you know, my in-laws, they, they're the kind of people that, um, you know, they're just amazing. They're just absolutely wonderful folks. And they had every right to kind of walk away after their daughter died. They didn't have to be supportive. Everybody else, you know, my friends and family, they, they, they can't get rid of me. But they didn't have to do this. They didn't have to stick with me. And the fact is that they did. And they're, they're still, to this day, a huge part of my life. I actually got to go. I was in Minnesota a couple of weeks back, and I actually got to preview the movie with them as well. Uh, I thought that was to be you know, such an important part for us to be able to sit there and watch it, just the three of us, and, and to do all of this. And um, you know, they were my biggest supporters along the way. I think maybe they didn't necessarily believe me when I told them I had, a, I had 13 major publishers I had to meet with and that I was going to maybe write a book. And I'm not sure that they really believed it when I said that Sony was going to make a movie and that Kevin Hart was going to be playing me or that my <laughs> mother-in-law was going to be played by the absolutely, you know, one of the greatest actresses of all time in, in Alfre Woodard. But, you know, along the way, all they did was kind of push me in the right direction and continue to support me, even if they thought I was out of my mind, you know? Yeah, exactly. So here you are. Um, every day you know that this book has been out there for a while, and now this movie is out there. There are going to be reviews and that sort of thing. Have you sat down and talked to Maddie and said, okay, we need to get ready for the, the reviews. We need to get ready for what people are saying. We need to get ready for your teachers, the questions they're going to ask at school, that sort of thing. And are you preparing for that? You know, I'm really naive, and I keep thinking that nobody's going to watch this thing and that maybe it was just our family that was going to watch it. So, you know, I, um, I didn't anticipate it doing quite as well as it has. It's, it's number one. I just read some unofficial news that it's number one in 60 of 82 countries uh, around the world, and that's, this is some third-party site. 
but it sounds like it's done really well and people are watching it and it's, you know, it's been number one in the U.S. all weekend. And so, you know, again, being naive, I thought, well, you know, maybe a few people will watch this thing, but you kind of forget that everybody loves Kevin Hart and, and, uh, and that Netflix is, uh, is such a huge, huge platform for everybody to be able to see this. So, you know, most of our conversations have been around the fact that, you know, people aren't always kind. They don't always say the kindest things. And so my thing has always been try not to read reviews, even if they're good. They're not always uh, they're not always worth reading, and if they're bad, they're definitely not worth reading. It's not worth you know kind of giving your your time and mental energy to that, and um, and so we kind of just lived our, our everyday life as if you know this thing was happening, but it wasn't really happening. And so you know school is out thankfully, so she has less scrutiny amongst her her peers, uh, and, and not too many people may necessarily associate these things. Also, she flew off to camp today for the first time, uh, you know, in two years, and she's gone for a full month. So uh, if her friends didn't catch it in the last two days, they're not going to see it for a full month. And, uh, <laughs> and so Have you heard about cell phones? Come on, Matt. Come on. <laughs> They'll be watching this at camp. Trust me. <laughs> They might be, and it could happen. And uh, and if it does, I think, you know, she's really excited about it in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, the only thing that she's actually shared with all of her friends was just the words that, that uh, you know, former President Obama said about the movie and also what Michelle said. So that, that was a, a real source of pride for her, and it really kind of made it that much more important than, than what we have. You know, we're, we don't want to dwell necessarily on just, the, you know, the Hollywood aspect of this. Be, you know, because it, you can come off as kind of a jerk that way. But, but you know, when you've got somebody as unimpeachable as, as you know, the, the former president and his wife, and, and they're just so amazing in so many different ways. And when they see value in something that you're a part of, it's really cool to be able to share that. And I think she gets that on a, on a really neat level, you know. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. So tell me, where do you go from here? Now you've got this, you know, superstar in this movie. The movie is out. It's doing great. Where do you go from here? Do you write another book? Do you say, hey, maybe I should see if we could do a, a TV series? Where Where do you think your life will go now? You know, I think my life's going to go right back to normal, hopefully. I, I have a lot of questions about writing a, a sequel to the book. I have other questions from my agent about writing a completely different book. And, you know, we get all this talk about striking while the iron's kind of hot thing. Um, but, you know, I'm, a, I'm actually a stay-at-home dad. I've got a two-year-old, and my wife now is pregnant with our third daughter, and oh, she's wow. due on October 1st. And so my wife is actually uh, way more interesting and way more important than I am. She, she's a TV writer. She's writing a couple of movies here and there. And, uh, and, and she, she's way more talented, and she makes more money. So you know what I do is I stay home with our kids. And so my hope is, is once all of this kind of blows over a little bit, that I'm going to go back to my normal life where we can go to the playground every day and we can just wait it out until my wife is done with her, her job for the day so we can all spend some time together. And I have to ask you this question, so please forgive me for my na- naivete, but are you, what is your nationality, I should say? So that's a good question. So I'm from Minnesota. I'm about the whitest guy you could ever meet. Um, I, I, <laughs> I get sunburned in about three seconds outside. It happened today. And, um, you know, so I, that question might be related to Kevin Hart playing me. And I think, uh, you know, it's such an interesting casting move, I think. You know, Hollywood does not have a great track record for telling the stories of black people and other, you know, you know other people of color. And I think what's really interesting is that a lot of those stories have been whitewashed in some pretty horrific ways over the years. And, um, and, and Hollywood's not good at that stuff. But when I found out that Kevin was slated to play me, and there had been a whole host of other, you know, pasty white guys with beards 
uh, who were who were all set to play me, and 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 they didn't feel right, even if they looked more like me. And then when I heard about Kevin, it just felt natural because one of the things I talk about with what happened to my my wife and to my daughter and to me and all of our friends and family is that you know this was a really difficult thing. Obviously, we we experienced the greatest joys of our life of having this daughter born to us and this little girl join our life, and then 27 hours later, my wife dying, which is you know, it's it's just not something you can fathom. She was in perfect health. Everything was fine. It was a really sudden death. And you just don't expect it for a woman in her 30s. Uh, she just turned 30, actually. And it was just, it was devastating. And so what I like about this story and what I like about the casting of, of Kevin in this movie and everybody else in the movie, this is this is largely a, a black cast, which I think is so, so wonderful. And what's great about it is that they're taking this story, which I think is a universal story of, of love and, and death and sadness and happiness. And they're just saying, you know, anybody can experience this and everybody does experience this in some way. And when Sony was casting this, their number one goal was to get the biggest star they could. And I think it's, it's hard to argue that Kevin Hart is one of the biggest stars in the world. And, um, you know, Kevin's not here to say this, but I've, I've done a lot of interviews with him. And one of the things he talks about frequently is that when he saw this screenplay, he thought this was the perfect opportunity to portray a a black father in a really responsible, really wonderful way that you don't see in Hollywood very often. This is not uh, the cliche kind of uh, fatherhood movie in general, but it's also not a cliche black father movie. And so he wanted to kind of change that narrative and he wanted to call attention to the great uh, fathers that are out there, especially black dads that don't get their uh, just, you know, sort of uh, desserts here. They don't get that that, um, recognition that they deserve. And I think Kevin is really pushing to make sure that that happens. And and I think people are resonating with people for that. It's just remarkable. I, I just want to say um, that what this path that you've been, been on is some people may look at that and go, wow, you know, happenstance. No, it's not. Um, this is really important what you're doing, and I hope you will keep doing it. So, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this stuff. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks. That is Matt Logalin. If you if you get a chance, please see the movie Fatherhood, the movie, um, and it is on demand. We'll be back. It is now eight fifty six here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host Geraldine Steele. Coming up next, of course, will be Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. We just know you ought to know about it. I'm excited because it's starting out with my friend Garrison Keeler. He has four big shows coming up. I can't wait to tell you all about them. And he has also um, written two books and, and put them out during the pandemic. And he's still writing. There are books in the works as well. So we've got a lot to talk about with Garrison Keeler. Also, Patricia McLean. I am so excited to have her on as well at 9.35. Um, you may remember Sue McLean and Associates. They still exist. Patricia uh, took over the business and it's doing well. And can you imagine now that the pandemic feels like it's waning? Yes, she is actually at that point where she can start opening up and having those artists um, perform at all these different venues all over the place. And so I'm really excited to talk to her about how things are going and who's first. And I think it's in vogue. Oh, if you don't know who in vogue is, baby, you just wait. You just wait. It's all coming up. Also at 948, you don't want to miss Elijah Marn. And it's going to be fun to hear him talk about as a singer and songwriter and visual artist and teacher and so much more. It's going to be a great hour. So don't miss. And then of course, the mom and Michael hour, my son, Michael Battle and me. That's all next coming up right here on WCCF. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. 
In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.